Thank you, Pastor Grant, and thank you, uh, Chad and Katie, for, uh, for doing that. Um, and I, I want to mention that uh, Eduardo uh, Montenegro, our small group ministry director, will be out in the lobby after the service today, and he is there. Uh, if you are interested in being in a small group and you're not in one right now, he would love to try to help you get connected. And along with that, uh, if you even just think there might be an idea that God is kind of tapping you on the shoulder and say, hey, you need to think about being a, a, an assistant leader or a group leader, he would also like to talk with you about that as well. It's one of the best ways to kind of jump in is to start serving as, a, as an assistant leader in a group where you don't have the full responsibility on you to start with and you kind of can learn, I can... I can, I, 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 I can do this. God is able um, to uh, make me adequate in my inadequacy. So I encourage you to do that. I'm excited about what God is doing and wants to do in our small group ministry, and I hope you'll be a part of that. Well, for the uh, past two Sundays in our new fall sermon series entitled Marching Orders, we have explored the question, what is our purpose as humans, we found that Scripture teaches that our purpose, our chief end as humans, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We learned that to glorify God means to feel, think, and act in ways that reflect His greatness, that make much of God, that give evidence of the supreme greatness of His attributes and the all-satisfying beauty of His manifold perfections. We discovered that we should glorify God for at least two reasons. First, because he is so utterly glorious. He's the absolute pinnacle of perfection, holiness, greatness, transcendence, omniscience, importance, power, goodness, beauty, love, wisdom, and anything else that you or I could think of that is good and right. Second, we should glorify God because Jesus, his son, glorified and continues to glorify God in everything. Glorifying God was and is the driving passion of Jesus' life. And Jesus is our model for how to live life and how to live it to the full. We also discovered that God's desire for glory does not mean he's on a gargantuan ego trip. We learn that to, cre that to create us to give glory to him is the most authentic and loving thing that he could do for us. In designing us to glorify him, God has seen fit to make possible our highest joy and fulfillment. And why? Why is that? Because joy, we learned last week, joy cannot be consummated without praise. Our enjoyment of God can only be fulfilled in fullest measure when we praise him, when we glorify him. Well, over the next month or so, we're going to be tackling another question. It's a related question. How do we bring glory to God? The Bible tells us that we glorify God in numerous ways. And beginning today, we're going to explore some of those ways. Now, as a framework for our exploration, we're going to use our HBC, our Hawkwood Baptist Church mission and vision statements. These statements attempt to capture in succinct form our marching orders as God's people in this place. 
Mission statements tell us what we should be doing. They tell us what is of utmost importance. The first phrase in our two-part HBC mission statement asserts that our mission is to introduce people to Jesus. Pastor Grant has it right up on his door. I love that. It's a reminder every time I go past that. What is our mission? And the first part of it is to introduce people to Jesus. But let me ask you a question. Why is it important to introduce people to Jesus? Well, we could probably give a number of valid responses, but let me give you two quick reasons. It's important to introduce people to Jesus because Jesus is the perfect picture of God. None of us can glorify or praise what we don't know or what we haven't experienced. How do we see God? How do we know what God is like? The answer is that in Jesus, we see God. Jesus shows us what God is like. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says this, And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his, God's, glory, and the exact representation of his, God's, nature. In John 14, 9, we read Jesus' words, The one who has seen me has seen the Father. The only hope for unbelievers to come to know God is being introduced to Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, we see God as he truly is. Seeing God clearly is one of the necessary steps in fulfilling our purpose of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So introducing people to Jesus is important because Jesus is the perfect picture of God. It's also important because Jesus provides the only possible access to God for humankind. The Bible tells us that There is no other way to come to God. Doing good deeds, being an ethical person, going to church, giving to charity, following some religious system or moral code, none of these activities provides us access to a holy God. Jesus said that he alone is the access point. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus then backed up his claim of exclusivity by not only dying for all the wrongs that you and I have ever done, he also rose from the dead three days later. No other religious leader in history has supported their religious claims by defeating death. The Bible tells us that apart from Jesus Christ, we are separated from God by our sin, our wrong attitudes and actions now and for all eternity. Without being introduced to Jesus, we and those around us, our family members, friends, work associates, fellow students, neighbors, they won't be able to fulfill their purpose. They won't experience the relationship that God desires with them, and they will experience separation from God forever. Introducing people to Jesus is important because he is the perfect picture of God and he is the only possible access to God. But remember, you know, I'm a guy who likes to ask questions. What does it mean to introduce people to Jesus? Well, to try to answer that question, we're going to look at the life of one of Jesus' disciples who excelled in this activity. His name, Andrew. Not Andrew Weida even though Andrew is a a disciple of Jesus. This is Andrew from the Bible. 
And uh, Andrew actually could have been a poster boy for our HBC mission statement. Pastor Grant could actually put a picture of Andrew up on his door right along this statement, and that would work very well. Andrew could also be a poster boy for our Marching Orders sermon series. And why is that? Well, what do we know about Andrew? Let's start there. He was the brother of Simon Peter. He was from Bethsaida, which was a fishing village on the north coast of the Sea of Galilee. He lived in Capernaum in the same house with his brother, Simon Peter. Uh, We know that Andrew and his brother, Simon Peter, were fishermen by trade. And uh, we know that Andrew was a disciple, interestingly enough, of John the Baptist. We also know that Andrew heard John the Baptist announce that Jesus was the promised Messiah. By the way, we know all these things from Scripture, and in the sermon notes today, there's uh, Scripture references for all of these facts about him. Andrew was also the first of the 12 apostles apostles to meet Jesus. And most significantly, Andrew was called by Jesus to follow him, and Andrew responded affirmatively. Well, what do we learn from Andrew about what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Christ? Well, the first thing is this. Andrew was taught to introduce people to Jesus. He was taught to introduce people to Jesus. John the Baptist prepared Andrew to meet Jesus through his teaching. John also introduced Andrew to Jesus. In John 1, 35 to 37, we read this. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. Now, if you keep reading, we learn in verse 40 that one of these two disciples that day was Andrew. Andrew was taught to introduce people to Jesus by John the Baptist. And he was also taught to introduce people to Jesus by Jesus himself. In Matthew 4, 18 and 19, we read Jesus' words to Andrew and his brother Simon Peter as they were fishing. Uh, They must have been in their boat. The boat must have been close enough to shore that they could hear Jesus because Jesus is walking by on the shore and he looks at him and he goes, hey guys, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We know from Mark and we know that Andrew responded to that call. We also know from Mark 13, 1 to 4 and verse 10, that Jesus also taught Andrew that the gospel must be preached in all nations. Well, Andrew was taught to introduce people to Jesus. We also see that Andrew put his training into practice. Andrew chose to introduce people to Jesus. He chose to do that. And where do we see this? In John 1, 40 to 42, we read the first thing that Andrew did after being introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist and and getting to know Jesus was to go and find Simon, his brother, and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Andrew then brought Simon Peter to Jesus. This was the very first thing that Andrew did. It was the very best thing that he could do. The news was too good to keep to himself. Andrew shared what, or more specifically, whom he had found. He told his story to someone else. Andrew was a fisher of men even before Jesus taught him to be one. 
Well, where else do we see Andrew choosing to introduce people to Jesus? One is at the feeding of the 5,000. As the other disciples were overwhelmed by the size of the need for food uh, for the huge crowd, it was Andrew who brought the boy with the five loaves and the two small fish to Jesus. Andrew says, uh, Lord, uh, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Andrew may have not been a man of stupendous faith. He's like, Lord, it's only uh, five loaves and two fish. But Andrew had discovered something. Whatever the situation, whatever the problem, whatever, whomever was involved, Andrew's thought, his mantra was, bring them to Jesus. Introduce them to Jesus. Jesus will know what to do. Well, there's yet another place where we see Andrew choosing to introduce people to Jesus. In John chapter 12, 20 to 22, 22, we read this. Now, some Greeks were among those who went to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. When the Greeks expressed interest in seeing Jesus, Philip seemed unsure what to do. I mean, these were Gentiles. Uh, Jews didn't have anything to do with Gentiles. So, but he at least, he told Andrew. I think he must have thought, maybe Andrew will know what to do. Well, what did Andrew do? He told Jesus. Andrew desired that the Greeks, the Gentiles, be introduced to Jesus. Andrew seemed to know that the gospel wasn't just for the Jews. The good news was for all people, and Andrew attempted to pave a way for others so outsiders could meet Jesus. Did you know that even though Andrew seems to have lived much of his life as a simple, common, quite ordinary not particularly gifted guy hidden in the shadow of some of the other apostles. He never stopped introducing people to Jesus. Church tradition tells us that Andrew took the gospel north as far as Scythia or modern-day Ukraine. At some point, he took the gospel to Achaia in southern Greece, and it was there that he was martyred for his faith. Tradition says that he was crucified on an X-shaped cross, because he felt himself unworthy to be crucified in the same position as his Lord. Instead of being nailed to the cross, he was bound to it to increase his suffering. Most accounts say that he hung on the cross for two days, and for as long as he was conscious, he exhorted those who passed by to turn to Christ and to be saved. Andrew introduced people to Jesus until the very end. Well, what does it mean to introduce people to Jesus? Going back to our question, it means, like Andrew did, to tell people directly about the Lord Jesus or to take them to others who will tell them about Jesus. God has commissioned you and he's commissioned me to introduce people to Jesus. Introducing others to Jesus is a significant component of your and my marching orders and is one of the ways that we glorify God. 
Well, if that's the case, if, if you and I have experienced the forgiveness and the love, the transforming power of Jesus in our life, if we've come to know him and we're following him, why do we sometimes struggle or sometimes even fail to introduce others to Jesus? Well, there could be a number of reasons, but I want to quickly give you five of them. And I want to encourage you, stay with me now. These are way more valuable than the price of admission you paid today, okay? (laughs) Number one, one reason some individuals don't introduce others to Jesus is because they have not met Jesus themselves. Andrew would not have been able to introduce others to the Messiah if he had not first encountered and chosen to follow Jesus himself. Have you met Jesus? Have you chosen to follow him? Notice I didn't ask if you come to church or if you're generally a a good person. If you haven't met and chosen to follow Jesus, including professing him publicly in baptism, Jesus calls to you today just like he called to Andrew, and he says, follow me. A second reason we don't introduce people to Jesus is because we don't have meaningful relationships or many meaningful relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Think back, who did Andrew go to and tell after he first met Jesus? He didn't go to a stranger He went to a close friend, his brother Peter. Andrew wanted to introduce his friend to Jesus. Because they were friends, it was natural for Andrew to share his discovery, to share his spiritual story, his new spiritual story with Peter. Did you know that the most productive time of introducing others to Jesus for most Christians is the first two years after they become a Christ follower? Why is this? Well, There could be several reasons, but one reason is because this is the period of time in which they have the most vital connection with non-believers. After the first two years, most new believers spend more and more of their time with Christians. They cultivate relationship with other believers. The pool of people they associate with who don't know Jesus shrinks. Well, what can we do about this? we can be more intentional in cultivating relationship with non-believers. We do this by taking interest in others who don't yet know Christ. We include them in our weekly and daily activities. We seek to get to know a coworker better by inviting him to share lunch. We invite the neighbors over from next door for coffee and dessert. We invite an immigrant family we met in our child's soccer club to share a holiday meal with us. We also do it by loving and serving others and meeting the needs we see around us. We shovel the walk for a single mom next door. You do that today, you probably get a pretty big smile. We cook a meal for a coworker who just lost a family member. We choose to sit and share lunch with another student who always sits by herself every day at mealtime. Jesus spent time with his followers, but Jesus also spent time in engaged in meaningful relationship with those who were not following him, those who were not religious, in fact, with those who were not even 
moral. While Jesus never condoned sin, the Bible tells us that he was dubbed by the Jewish religious leaders as a friend of sinners. <laughs> oh, that you and I would be known by the same moniker as our Lord. Friend of sinners. Why did Jesus spend so much time with non-believers? Well, when questioned by the Pharisees about this, who were very critical about it, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Well, Jesus told the Pharisees that the reason he built relationship, meaningful relationships with sinners was because they were sick and they needed a doctor. The people with whom you and I rub shoulders with each day are also sick. God wants to use you and he wants to use me to demonstrate his mercy and to tell them about the doctor who can cure them. We can only do that to the extent that, like Jesus, we know and interact with them. As we intentionally build meaningful relationships with those who don't know Christ, God will open doors to share our spiritual story and grant us natural opportunities to introduce them to Jesus. So we can fail to introduce Jesus to others because we don't know him or because we don't have relationship or don't have many meaningful relationships with those who don't know him. We can also struggle to introduce people to Jesus because we feel inadequate due to a lack of training. Andrew learned, he was taught to introduce others to Jesus from the example of John the Baptist and from the equipping provided by Jesus. Sometimes we church leaders have failed to ensure that our people receive practical training and encouragement in introducing others to Jesus. Without training, we can think introducing others to Jesus is way harder than it really is. We can also fear not knowing what to say or not being able to answer a tough spiritual question that's, that's put back to us. The result is that we clam up and we just don't say anything. I don't want this to be the case with our church family here at Hawkwood. My desire, my plan is for us to be intentional in providing equipping opportunities that include acquiring helpful tools to fulfill our mission. We are providing just such a training opportunity, my, my, this Saturday morning with the Spiritual conversation Seminar. Can you imagine the timing on that? God is so good. Andrew and Steph Williamson, um, who we mentioned earlier with Power to Change at UFC, are going to come and teach and encourage us how we can turn everyday conversations into spiritual conversations. I've met Andrew. I haven't met Steph yet, but Andrew is such a, a likable and just easy to talk to guy. He's very, very down to earth. You will love him. And so I want to encourage you. I hope that you will take advantage of this opportunity that we have this Saturday to grow, stretch, and to become better equipped to introduce people to Jesus. Well, a fourth reason, hang with me here, we don't introduce others to Jesus is that we lack courage. We are afraid of being labeled with derogatory terms like, hey, preacher man, or hey, preacher lady, or he's a religious fanatic, or he's a narrow-minded bigot. There is always risk when we introduce someone to Jesus. 
we may be rejected, we may be ridiculed, we may be ostracized. We also fear being lumped into the same barrel as some Christians who can be downright obnoxious in how they go about introducing others to Christ. So how do we overcome all these fears? I want to mention two things. First thing is this. We remember God's love for us and pray for a deeper revelation of that love. Do you know that Paul, in his ministry to the Ephesians, who were already Christians at the time he was writing his letter to them, he said, guys, I'm praying for you that God will give you a revelation that you will come to know how high, how deep, how wide, how long his love is for you, even though I know you could never, you could never fathom all of that because God's love is so big. But I'm praying that God would make that real to you. These are people who had already come to know Christ. They had already come to experience God's love. And Paul is saying one of the most important things is that you allow that revelation to go deeper, that you allow God to show you even more and that you experience God's love for you. Why is that? When we experience God's love, it changes us. Guilt is a horrible motivator. It's not, it's not very fruitful. Neither is a sense of duty. It's not a good motivator. The strongest motivating force in the world is love. The more that you and I experience the love of God for us, the more we will be compelled to extend that love to others by introducing them to Jesus. The second thing is this. We can overcome fear by receiving faith, by, uh, by receiving by faith the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ, you've come to know him, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to empower you and me to introduce others to Jesus. We need to acknowledge and by faith receive and walk in that empowerment. Let me give you a quick personal example of this from my own life. You may be surprised to learn this, but, but your senior pastor still sometimes deals with fear of being labeled a religious fanatic. Not all the time, but sometimes. About a month ago, I was headed home from the church uh, late one evening, and I, and I decided to, uh, to stop by Tim's on the way. I went through the drive-thru right up here on uh, Nose Hill and uh, Country Hills. And after I came through the drive-thru, I was starting to drive across the parking lot to be able to make, make my way to get back to the intersection, and I noticed a guy sitting on a motorcycle on the far side of the parking lot. And it was one of those times as I, as I just glanced at him, I, I really sensed that God was speaking to me, and he said, Kent, I want you to go and talk to that guy. And uh, I, 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 I re- do you ever do this? Do you ever feel God telling you to do something, and you start to to kind of have a debate with God uh, or a conversation with God. And the conversation went something kind of like this. Well, God, that's probably not you. That's just probably me that was thinking that. And, you know, besides that guy could be in a really raunchy mood and he looks a lot bigger and stronger than me. You know, he might decide he wants to knock my block off or something like that. And so I kind of, and I, I pulled on out of the parking lot with my ice cap and started to pull down the street and and uh, the Lord kept talking to me. He didn't, he didn't end the conversation. He said, uh, Kent, this really is me talking. I said, oh, Lord, that's not you. It's just me. And I, I pulled through the, the light turned green. I pulled out on the country hills. And God spoke to me one more time. He said, Kent, 
Are you going to listen and obey me or not? Well, I don't know about you, but I've learned that when God's really clear with me, it's not a good idea to ignore him. You know, in a lot of ways. Number one, I'm going to be miserable because when we walk and step with the Lord, it brings joy into our life. And the other thing is, the other, the other thing is this. He doesn't take well. When we come to follow him, we say, you're my Lord. We're saying, you're in charge. You get to call the shots. It doesn't work well, just like it doesn't in the army when the private looks up to the, to the uh, colonel and says, no, I don't think so. So I said, okay, Lord. I, I went down the block, put my ass cap down. I turned around, drove back, came into the parking lot. He was still there. And I drove up beside him. I rolled down the window. And uh, I'd been thinking about what I was going to say because I wasn't sure what God might want to do in his life. But I just started out by saying, uh, hey, how you doing tonight? And his, his response was kind of like, hmm, it was kind of like a grunt. And it was very short, and he was sizing me up and kind of figuring out what I was there for. I think he was thinking, is he going to, I don't know, ask me for money or, you know, whatever. And uh, so uh, uh, the next thing I said, I'd been talking to the Lord and said, Lord, how, what do you want me to say? I said, you know, this might seem a bit weird or even a bit kooky, but um, I'm a Christian. And as I was driving out of the parking lot here a few moments ago, I I believe God spoke to me and said that he wanted me to stop and to tell you that he loves you and to ask if there's anything going on in your life that I could pray for you about. He just looked at me for a second. I didn't know where the conversation was going to go. And then he said something like, wow. I'm not going to tell you his name, but I'm just going to call him Trevor in, in, in the sake of this conversation. Um, Trevor began to talk to me and he said, he said, uh, Kent, he said, actually, I'm a Christian too, but he said, man, I've been going through a very, very difficult time. He said, I'm facing some things in my own life. He said, I really don't, don't kind of know where, where to turn. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here just trying to sort out what God is saying to me. And you know what? I just, we just got into a conversation. Uh, uh, he shared with me some of the details, and I was able just to share a few things that I've, I've learned and experienced out of my life, just to encourage him. I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, Sure, I would, I, would really, I, would, I would really like that. We did a little bit more follow-up. How did I over... By the way, after, as, as that began to transpire, and I saw, okay, God, this really was you. You were really, you were really in this tonight. I didn't get to introduce him to Jesus. Trevor just needed to be... He'd, he's been introduced to Jesus, but he needed to be reintroduced to Jesus in that moment. And God just probably said, oh, there's Kent over there. I'll talk to him. He can... Uh, he can be my ambassador. He can, he can represent me. I was just, even though very slow about my obedience, I was just in the end willing to take that step of faith. I had so much joy uh, as I did that. I can tell you this, the times that I've shared Jesus, introduced people to Jesus, witnessed in one way or another, those are some of the most joy-filled moments, even though at times they can be, um, they can be kind of scary because we don't, we don't know where, where, where they can go. God has created you and me to do this. And when we introduce people to Jesus, we glorify him. God just beams because it's like, you know, there's, one of my, there's my boy or there's my girl, for those of you who are female. They're bragging on me. They're telling, they're telling other people about me. And God just loves that. He's getting glory. And then that person has a new opportunity, a fresh opportunity to experience God. My point was, how did I overcome in this case? How did I overcome my, my fears about being misunderstood or just being the guy thinking I'm a religious fanatic or whatever. 
I remembered the Holy Spirit lives within me and that one of his roles is to empower me, to give me the courage and the strength to be able to be his witness. Well, we're almost done, gang, but I want to tell you one more, one more reason why we don't sometimes um, uh, introduce other people to Jesus. And it's this. It's because of disobedience. And I'm not talking about the disobedience that I was walking in for a few moments after God spoke to me to talk to Trevor. I'm talking about the kind of disobedience that comes when we just say no to God about other things in our life. When you or I walk in disobedience to Christ, we feel far from him. We feel spiritually weak and inadequate. That sense of inadequacy acts as a wet blanket over the fire of passion Jesus is igniting within me to introduce others to him. The answer is not to try to convince myself I'm adequate. The answer is to deal with whatever is standing between me and Jesus. There's only one way to deal with spiritual laziness, to deal with unforgiveness, to deal with pride, lust, greed, prayerlessness, gossip, alcoholism, anger, keep going on down the list, or any other sin in our our lives. We must choose to come clean, to confess it to God, and to repent To repent means to turn. It means to be going in one direction and turn in the other direction. It means to do what I did when I was driving home with my ice cap and I'm heading down country hills and God says, you're going to listen, you're going to obey me. And I turned the car around and came back and followed what, what he was saying. If the reason, oh, by the way, after we repent, here's the greatest part. God cleanses us. He makes us new. He washes all that filth, all that guilt, all the guilt, all the, all the blame, all the sin. He washes it away when we're willing to confess and to, and, to repent, and to repent. And not only does he cleanse us, he starts breaking the, bond, the bondage within our life. Maybe it's a bondage of fear that, that, uh, that I couldn't share, you know, Jesus with, I couldn't talk about him to somebody else. As we take those steps, those chains just start falling off of us. If the reason that you are not introducing others to Jesus today is because of disobedience, Jesus calls to you to believe the good news that he died to set you free and to turn from your sin. You may need to confess your disobedience to another mature believer to experience the freedom that God offers James talks about this. We talked about it numbers of times. When we humble ourselves to one another and we confess what what it is that's standing between us and God to another person, it's just like putting a welcome mat for for God's spirit. And he says, yeah, I'll I'll come and do that. As long as we try to hide it. And and yeah, the other person can't can't forgive us. The forgiveness comes from God. But uh, taking that step of humbling ourselves and confessing the sin to somebody else oftentimes acts as a, it's like a catalyst that allows us to really be able to, to appropriate the forgiveness and cleansing that God has for us. Um, if that's the case, then I want you to know that any of our pastors and elders, your small group leader, our prayer team members here at the end of the service, they stand ready to listen and to pray with you. Will you choose to humble yourself today and 
receive the forgiveness, the cleansing, and the freedom that your Heavenly Father is offering. God has designed you and me to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. One of the ways God wants you and me to glorify Him is by following the example of Jesus' disciple, Andrew. Andrew introduced and kept introducing others to Jesus. Are you glorifying God by introducing others to Jesus? Or are you allowing some hindrance to keep you from fulfilling your marching orders? If so, Jesus calls you to submit to him, to allow him to set you free, and to empower you by his spirit to do that for which you were created. How will you respond? Let's pray. Just in the quietness right now, I just want to invite um, each one of us, including me, just to listen to what God is saying to you today. Father, I believe that there's a few of us here right now that are feeling a sense of condemnation or guilt. That's not from you. And by your spirit right now, I just pray that you would lift that, lift, lift, lift those feelings off of anyone who may be feeling that way. Lord, um, your voice is one of is one of conviction. You speak hard things to us sometimes. And along with that, you speak words of encouragement. You speak words of invitation. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you want us to experience life and to live it to the full. And thank you for the reminder today from your word that one of the ways that we do that is by introducing others to you. By sharing our story. By talking to others <laughs> about what you've done in us and about what you could do in, in their life. And so, Father, I pray that we would feel your encouragement and we would sense your invitation and that we would also today experience your empowerment, that you would help us to think differently. Lord, where we've been scared or where we, we, we've been timid, where we've been felt like we didn't, we weren't trained enough or might not say the right thing or it might be taken wrongly, that you just push all that out of the way and you just bring us back to loving you with all of our heart, mind, and strength and as a part of loving you to love others and to communicate to them how they can experience that love as well. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you're changing us. Sometimes little by little, sometimes by leaps and bounds, 
if we're simply willing to respond to you in faith. So whatever it is you're asking of us, help us to say yes to you. Thank you that you take us by the hand and that you walk with us. You say, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Lord, we look forward to the fishing expedition. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to uh, sing a song that, that, we, uh, that we learned last week that talks about giving glory to God. And as you sing this, I encourage you to think about giving glory to God um, by introducing people to Jesus and in every other area of your life. Let's sing it as Graham leads us right now.